0: Welcome to the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. I'm Catherine Mora, founder and CEO of Change Empire Books. We help coaches, speakers, and entrepreneurs write and publish quality books and get them out into the world. We believe that thought leaders are made through a combination of quality of service, planning, and authenticity. Do you want to impact lives and leave a legacy? Stick around until the end of the show and we'll reveal how you could be our next guest on the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. Let's get started.
1: Your host, Starlet Henderson, here with this episode's Thought Leader, Solomon Choi. Solomon's brand is jobabrands.com, his website. Thanks for being here today, Solomon.
2: Thanks for having me, Starlet.
1: So um, Java Brands, that's kind of like the current version of the story. Let's back up and tell us a little bit about what you do and how you came to do that, working with food and brands and all things yummy.
2: (laughs) Sure. So my journey really began as an entrepreneur in 2008, of all times, the last economic recession. I grew up in sunny Southern California, cut my teeth in the restaurant business working for my father, who was a multi-unit franchisee of the Japanese buffet franchise. And I helped him in one of his restaurants down in San Diego. Um, It was a turnaround situation and was successful at doing that. And really then the next chapter of that was joining a startup hospitality group uh, based in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. where I helped facilitate uh, acquisitions as well as operations for, um, at our peak, seven different Japanese uh, restaurants, as well as a gelato franchise that we bought the franchise development rights for. So So I got to wear a lot of hats from operations.
1: Yeah. You were really steeped yeah. in the business from Absolutely. you know, I mean, how young, what was your first restaurant job?
2: First restaurant job was technically as a server working for my father on weekends while I attended college. So 18, 19 years old.
1: Yeah, great. And so and then, much, much. Yeah, and, then,
2: and then I got to go, and then I got to go um, at the age of 25 down to San Diego for a year and a half in that turnaround situation. That's really where I got to kind of prove my mettle, you know, and show that um, <laughs> I could apply the things that I, that I understood and learned. Um, when i joined the hospitality group that's where again a lot more learnings of the corporate side of the business um and really honed in on some some new uh new skill sets like franchise development which is something that i think people kind of understand they're like yeah like mcdonald's is a franchise but the inner workings of how it actually works i think that's where there's a lot of question marks and so huge advantage for me because uh then i got to see through a family friend the very first self-serve frozen yogurt concept and Barted a deal where I said, like, look, I'll work for you for free if you teach right. me this business. And I did that for about three months and then put together my business plan while I was doing that. My family backed me. So they were my seed investors. I didn't know, need to go out and fundraise. That's and great. really with that, decided that uh, if I really want to build a brand, um, just because that's something that I'd studied, you know, from my undergrad days, you know, sure. was a marketing major, um, just a real a student of consumer behavior and branding. I thought there's only one market that that that's for me if I have one shot at this, and that was New York City. And so in did 2008, you, that's what I decided to do.
1: Did you go from California then? I know you said you were working with a frozen yogurt um a friend there. So you went from California and took this idea across, across the country.
2: Correct. Um, so really the operations that I learned there, I decided to formulate kind of those operations with Under My Own Banner. And that's where 16 Handles was born in Manhattan's uh, East Village in the summer of 2008. And so again, certainly no stranger to adversity uh, when unemployment at that time was the last time it was the highest in double digits. Wow. Um, so even in seeing what's going on with the pandemic, certainly no stranger to, like I said, adversity, economic downturn, and really right. trying to figure out how do you emerge as a brand and, and, and pivot even offer something new, a unique selling proposition to consumers when again, they're kind of being hit with all these other challenges in their lives, and and so I think having proven out that model also mm-hmm. led to this organic success of our franchise growth. We have over thirty locations now. We're regionally based here in the tri-state market, uh, so that's New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. We also do yeah. have, have a store in South Florida, um, and all that's <laughs> come with organic growth. And I think that's really um, the 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 big kind of success story, so to speak. Is not so much how many stores did you open, although you know there's certainly. You know, it's no, no small potatoes still opening sure, 30 at 30 locations. But I think it's more the fact that did that bootstrapped. Um, my cousin, who had a finance background, ended up joining me a year after I had started the business. Mm-hmm. So, really, th- the two of us just again, bootstrapped, um, rolling up our sleeves, kind of figuring things out as we go, and, you know, been able to kind of flourish into the market leader here in what we do. And that then provided me a, a platform really where people would reach out to me, entrepreneurs or what I like to call wantrepreneurs, maybe yeah. someone who has an idea, um, but maybe doesn't have the capital or the expertise um, or really a strategic plan to scale. Um, sure. And a lot of those conversations then made me realize that, hey, I wish I had someone like this when I came right. to New York. You know, um, I, I really had to rely on my previous experience and a lot of intuition. And again, understanding a new market that I had no familiarity with. But if I, you know, if I had someone like me who maybe had had the background and had, you know, a, some level of success, I'm sure I could have right. avoided a lot of pitfalls and, and hurdles. And so I realized that that's really going to be a value add. And again, my passion is less about managing a brand that I've created. And it's mm-hmm. more, how do I create something that people love that didn't exist before? Where now they're like, right. I don't want to imagine life without what you created, right? And, and so to me, like, that's really my, my mission. And what Java Brands then uh, allowed me to do was again, to have a platform. When I visited things like a lot of the natural food shows, for instance, over the last five years, even there, like when I would run into a lot of the New York vendors, specifically when they'd be on the West Coast, they're like, what are you doing here, 16 Handles? Um, Are are you going to add us to your toppings bar? Are you going (laughs) organic? Are you going vegan? And I thought like potentially, but really for me, again, as a true student of being uh, a student of consumer behavior and really the evolution of trends within food, that's where all the answers are, right? right. And so, so just,
1: it was a learning environment for you.
2: Absolutely, it's a learning environment for me. Um, I think once you stop that and you think you know it all, then that's going to be the start of your demise. And so for me, that's the ongoing journey. That's the fun part of what I get to do. Mm-hmm. And whether I apply that to sixteen handles or I apply those learnings to an, any of the portfolio brands that I um, help uh, advise and or invest into, again, that's the value add is for me to be out there that those learnings that I'm going to get and being able to share that and seeing how we can apply that to any of the businesses where it's relevant, really then allow me to be kind of, again, kind of like a, you know, uh, like a ninja behind the scenes, right? <laughs> I was
1: going to say, I, I just keep thinking Mr. Miyagi, right? Like you say ninja, <laughs> but I'm like, you're, you know, you're some brands, Mr. Miyagi, like you're helping them um, figure out what's what, you know, when they don't know, or like you said, don't know where to go to capital or don't know, I have some expertise. Um, So I, yeah, ninja, that's, that might be a better, better phrase. Um, You're kind of walking into this thought that we always ask everyone about thought leadership and you, you know, you talked about, you know, continuous learning and passing it on. Um, To me, that's, you know, very common factors of thought leadership, but what does really being a thought leader mean to you?
2: So being a thought leader to me means really practicing what you preach. Right. And so, yeah, you know, like, for myself, like I said, um, it's less about being um, a, a successful CEO. Right. You know, I, I think if I were to be critical of myself, I'm, I'm probably not the best CEO. Um, but when it comes to that unrelenting desire and that unquenchable thirst for really wanting to understand how brands can connect with consumers, right. create a long term uh, relationship, which, you know, equates to long term success and loyalty and being able to make pivots and, and, and adaptations along the way because the customer journey changes. Yeah. And so I think about even 16 Handles. When I started in 2008, one of the one of the um, kind of value propositions that we offered is we have something for everybody. So we would have non-dairy, we had the popular tart flavors that were really trending at the time. Yeah. Most of our flavors were classic soft serve that just tasted like ice cream. So really we ran the full gambit uh, we had no sugar flavors for those that were looking for something like that. So really it was about how do I create a brand that really celebrates all these different snackable dessert occasions yeah. where, you know, where people can come. But if you look at even, um, the dynamics of food. Now you go to your local grocery store and you'll find sections that call out, you know, non-dairy, vegan, plant-based, uh, uh non, non-GMO gluten-free. These weren't right. necessarily monikers that in 2008 were at the forefront for the mass consumer, mm-hmm. but now you can't avoid it. And it really dictates whether or not someone's going to purchase or not purchase with it, you know, with their, with their dollars. And so mm-hmm. those are the types of things where, again, my continual evolution and learning um, really, I think uh, allow me to be what I would consider a thought leader in the space because mm-hmm. again, like that's always changing it's and and because of technology and the fact that a lot of food brands now are direct to consumer on e-commerce. I mean, I've met and right. I've talked to so many entrepreneurs who through their Instagram channel, just know how to document that journey and really connect with somebody there and then convert them into customers and whether that was by design or just by you know being a byproduct well, of here, them being. Right. Exactly. Like they're able to create these businesses and maybe where they get stuck is, Hey, I know how to do that through social media, but if I want to go brick and mortar and understand supply chain legit, there's other facets of the business where it's not just putting a post and all these people want to buy it. But if you can't supply that and make a profit on each item, then you're kind of just working hard, not working smart. And so again, that, that puzzle piece is really interesting. Um, I would also say this is, you know, we were one of the first brands to really leverage social media and digital media. Um, in a meaningful way, and so you Google us, and 16 Handles is the first brand in the world to ever use Snapchat for advertising. That's one of our kind of claims oh, wow. to fame. Okay. Yeah,
1: so definitely and, ahead of the curve there.
2: Yeah, and again, and I think that's the other component as well is certainly my desire to be, you know, a first mover or an early adopter of all things kind of digital and te- uh, technology related. And why that's important is as a consumer myself, that's how I'm able to discover. And what I realize is the most important thing there is that. That's the preferred method of the evolution of communication, right? And if exactly. if you want to be a brand, you have to be able to reach your guests. And these days, everybody had everybody's glued to this. I think the pandemic did that.
1: Before they even get there, right? You know, right. what is the vibe? Who's there? Do they have gluten-free? Are they vegan? You know, what do they care about? They're checking those things out before they you know, turn the corner and go walk into your shop for sure. And that's absolutely
2: so whether it's going to be, you know, reviews or other user generated content, or even again, through your own channels, your ability to connect with them. That's one point of discovery. But the other component is going to be, why should I care? Right. I mean, we are being bombarded from thought leaders, bloggers, spammers, brands, um, everything and everyone. Right. Right. Um, And I think we just have such limited mind share. And that's where, again, I think the emphasis of brand as opposed to maybe leading with everything needs to be ROI specific, mm-hmm. um, that's always the biggest challenge, right? And again, right. My, my my CFO is my cousin and and he's the the data and the math guy, right? And But even he's understanding as well now that, ah, okay, there is value in branding, right? And it may not be immediate, but again, when you look at the long-term, we wouldn't be here 13 years later, bootstrapped, never having raised money. If you think about all the ebbs and flows of, right. Of food trends that have come and gone. And and even for us, like again, being able to create a wider breadth of product offerings. That's our journey now. Is I don't want to be known in five to 10 years as, oh yeah, you guys are the Froyo brand. We've already won that title, right? In New York City at least. But it's wow, like that's where I go in a truly omni-channel setting where you guys are online. I'm, I'm able to order through the app. I'm able to order online through the d- third-party delivery platforms, your own website, or I can go into one of your convenient locations and have that experiential retail. And so just, again, understanding that with a curveball like COVID that really threw all of us you know, upside down, it doesn't matter what you do, it threw all of us upside down. Yeah. Again, that what it did was it had um, what I think will be a permanent shift of consumer behavior in how they interact with restaurants and retail and, again, online ordering. Right. I talk to a lot of my e-commerce friends and they say that uh, for a lot of them, it's been a blessing because they're like, it really accelerated probably five to 10 years, um, you know, the the mass majority of people oh, that yeah. they weren't expecting to get into. And so now it's just like, it's not just early adopters, it's almost anyone and everyone because who's not shopping something online? Right. And that now transcends to even something like um, food service. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. I just think that that level of convenience, safety, and again, just the reprogramming that we've done, you know, they often say that, you know, seven weeks is what it takes to kind of drop and pick up a new habit. Well, we've been been dealing with this for way more than seven weeks, right?
1: (laughs) Seven weeks, Um, seven, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, there's two pieces that I'm hearing you talk about, and, um, I don't know if they would pop to you as, as these things, but the DNA and the personality. So DNA is the data-driven, you know, those things that your cousin is doing, and then the personality is the brand, and you're really helping brands through Java brands help make a good mix of those two.
2: Yes, absolutely, and you need both, right? And I, I, I don't sit here, um, and I always mention this. I could not have gotten this far had I not had a partner like my cousin who I trusted. Right. right, not just with our finances, but again, being able to have that other perspective because, and and that's probably the other kind of a uh, thing that I've learned that I certainly advise the companies that I advise is don't find people with the same exact viewpoints and strengths that you do. You want to find you want to find your blind spots, right? You want someone to be able to cover that, and then that way you have a more holistic approach and view um, of any idea, tactic, or even strategic growth plan that you have because. If all you have are yes people, and you're like, "Great, this is all great," and no right. one's poking holes, again, you're going you're going to find out the hard way, which will yeah. become more time consuming and expensive in the long run.
1: Yeah, so you don't need two use. You might need, you know, two sets of hands to get all the work done, but you need, you know, two different brains, two different mindsets for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear a story about one of the brands where you helped, you know, fine tune this uh, this personality brand um, edge.
2: Sure. Um, so one of the examples that I can think of, um, and they're doing quite well right now is Sunscoop. So Sunscoop is an organic uh, coconut plant-based um, ice cream company. essentially, they they sell their products in pint form um, in hundreds of uh, locations around the country now, really p- gaining steam as again, the plant-based diet has has um you know has exploded. Yeah. And I remember when I first met Carly who, again, at that time was a entrepreneur. This was her first foray into having an idea and wanting to execute upon it. And, you know, didn't have a business background, you know, had some marketing background again, just had a dream, but it was such a personal process and vision for her because she just had so many allergies where, you know, she's like, I want to build a brand that people love like 16 handles, but for people like me who can't go to your stores because, you know, I I can't eat most of your products. Mm -hmm. And so, um, with that, you know, I I think one of the two of the things that I said was, you know, I said, great, you've got an authentic story, right? And that's going to be something that your uh, co- consumers are going to be able to, um, you know, to empathize and, and to support, you know, Yeah. Um, specifically through the first friends and family round of investment. I remember going and looking at locations because she wanted to build a brick and mortar location. Right. And that's a natural approach to, if I'm creating a dessert product,
1: what better company. way
2: in New York city to, to yeah. do that? Um But really where I I kind of pushed back and said, hey, let's look at this differently, Is I said, one, it's a niche product still. Um, Meaning the price point's much higher. It's not for the masses today, um, but I think that journey is going to allow more of the mass to to try, from a trial standpoint and convert them that way. But that process, doing it in brick and mortar is very expensive, it's costly, and it's a long roadmap. And, And um, and so I said, like, being around. I was like, is there maybe a better way to use those funds to really show a growth potential? And 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 one of the locations that she was really stuck on happened to be um, half a block from where I closed one of my locations. And so I said, look, I have a lot of data points that show why we probably shouldn't be here. Um, and instead, I diverted that attention to um, doing an event called Smorgasbord, which is like a big food festival. Um, every summer in New York City and in, in Brooklyn and Williamsburg, and I mean they get tens of thousands of people from the tri-state showing up to that and to try it out exactly. And so you know, I said let's let's apply for that. And then what you can do is actually leverage my infrastructure. So I have stores, and you can right. produce your product and then sell it there. And what this will do is it'll give you real guest feedback while making money because you're selling the product. And that I think is the key. When I think about a lot of consumer package goods, food brands, the expenses associated with, again, new customer acquisition are through the roof. Right. And, and it's accepted by investors, but me coming from a background of, Hey, rather than just getting new customers and losing money while you do it, if you can do that and actually like get data points and be profitable, I was like, that's the, that's, that's what I like. That's the kind of business (laughs) I want to invest in create. And so having gone through that, she was profitable right from the get go. And so that's, again, an, an idea where, um, Maybe intuitively, if I had, if she hadn't met me, maybe she would have gone out, opened up a store. And it's not to say she couldn't have been successful there, but just a lot more, uh, you know, pitfalls that could have uh, been hey. associated with that. And again, and and the investment probably would have been necessary also because the season in which she was looking at going in would have been the tail end, actually after summer. And I, I said, hey, there's a seasonality that you got to consider. And so it's really those things, right? I really applied my core business understanding, and then also understanding that hey, you're creating a unique product, and. The the last thing I did there where, again, she was already on top of, but I said, the product has to be delicious, right? More so than focusing on what it doesn't contain or, you know, again, a lot of the marketing monikers that you find in food at the end of the day, if it's a dessert or if it's a snackable treat, it's got to be craveable. And if it, if it isn't, you'll get them once, but they won't come back. And she created an amazing product. And, um, and so, you know, that, that's one example of where, um again, Java brands and myself, you know, outside of 16 handles was able to leverage all, all the things that I've learned and, and be able to help pivot and guide along the way. I've also wow. invested um, capital into the company. So I'm not, I'm not just an advisor. I'm also an investor. No,
1: I was, I mean, just the way you're talking about it too. I mean, you're a true partner, so, you know, good thing, you know, that's awesome um, for her and just another way for you to continue your story um, and just, you know, kind of have your hands in all of the, in the desserts. Um, at the board to, to carry on that analogy. Um, Joababrands.com is the website. We can send people there if they're interested, if they're working with food or they have questions or they want to level up on their branding. But how would you like people to reach out to you? Just find you there on the contact form or is an email or... or do you yeah, I mean,
2: them? I would say the best place to connect with me where I'm the most active is on LinkedIn. It's just my okay. n- name, Solomon Choi, all O's. Um, and so that's probably the best place to reach me. But again, through com, there is an inquiry section, so you can shoot, certainly shoot me an email um, by way of that form as well.
1: All right. Thanks for your time today.
2: My pleasure. Thanks so much.
0: Katherine Mora here. Thank you so much for listening to the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. If you are a successful coach, speaker, or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit changeempire.com slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag thought leaders to watch. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, changeempire.com, or follow me on LinkedIn as Catherine Moore. We're on Facebook and Instagram as Change Empire Book Coaching. Thanks for listening.